Welcome to the Raiders Talk Podcast on NBCSportsBayArea.com. Introducing your hosts, Raiders insider Scott Bayer and NBC Sports Bay Area's Josh Schrock. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Raiders Talk Podcast. I am Scott Bayer with my co-host, Josh Schrock, and we have reached the end of our series of deep dives into new Raiders. Uh, everyone in their draft class after this podcast will have been covered. And of course we can do a double dip because yet again, the Raiders drafted more than one Clemson player. Uh, so we are going to talk to Matt Conley, Clemson beat writer for the state newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, and I'm, and I'm looking forward to this conversation, Josh, not only to talk about Tanner Muse and John Simpson, but also just the fact that they have so many tigers now, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be interesting. And I don't think that it's uh, going to end. I think that this pipeline is, is uh, going to be open. And get fired up for Clemson West. Right. I think <laughs> uh, I, I don't see this train stop anytime soon. I mean, you know, we've talked to John Gruden about it. Mike back about it. I talked to Dabo Sweeney about it. I mean, mm-hmm. That train's not stopping. The Raiders trying to get their train rolling. Um, so yeah, like you said, two more tigers. I expect many more to come, and I'm excited to hear from Matt about two guys who we expect to be uh, cogs, at least going for the future, maybe not immediately for the future. It's going to be another good conversation with a college beat writer giving Raiders fans insight on the newest members of the Silver and Black. Let's get right to it. Our featured guest on this episode of the Raiders Talk podcast is Matt Conley, the Clemson beat writer for the state newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina. You can follow him at Matt at the state. And we are here talking about two more Raiders draft picks that that come from Clemson. We're definitely sensing a trend that the silver and black love Tigers. And uh, Matt, first question is about their first Clemson draft pick, and that is Tanner Muse. Um, when you saw him go midway through that uh, that uh, third round, what uh, what was your initial um, reaction? Did you think that was about the spot that he was going to go? I thought it was a little high, um, just because he had been in most mock drafts around the fourth or fifth round or so. Uh, but, you know, he, he ran really well at the combine. He's a, a really fast guy. He obviously played for a really good program at Clemson that's had a lot of success. So, and he was a multi-year starter there. So it wasn't a huge surprise, but it was a little higher than I was expected just from from seeing the mock drafts. But I think teams and, and the Raiders in particular really liked his speed and his, you know, what he could do from a special team standpoint in, in addition to linebacker safety type guy. Matt, I've, I've listened to Dabo Sweeney and Brett Venables talk about Tanner. And, uh, I mean, they, they obviously harp on his versatility and his work ethic. What did you see as his best attribute on the football field um, during his time at Clemson? Yeah, that, that speed I mentioned was definitely part of it. Just, you know, he, he wasn't always um, great in coverage. He could, he could maybe get out of position sometimes and that kind of stuff. But he had the speed to go make up for it when he made a mistake. And, and he made plenty of really big plays throughout his career, had a, had a really good career at Clemson, a really solid career, uh, made some made some huge plays as far as interceptions and, and fumble returns. He had a big fumble return at Syracuse a few years ago uh, for a touchdown. So you know, he made a he made a ton of plays, did it uh, special teams as well, was a big special teams contributor. But that speed he has with, when he does make a mistake and if he gets out of position, he has a really good ability to be able to make it up, make up for it and, and go and make the play. So that was one of his best attributes for sure. And then he's a really good tackler too. I mean, you know, when, when he gets a guy um, and kind of gets him squared up, he, he can really put a hit on somebody as well. So those are a couple of things that I think 
teams like about Tanner and, and the Raiders in particular. The uh, the Raiders plan to move him down to 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 one of their two um, interior linebacker spots. Do you think that um, he can make that switch and uh, move down there on a on a more uh, permanent basis? Sure. Yeah, and, and that's you know what I was kind of going going along kind of with maybe where he struggled some in coverage. I think that move could be good for him just to not have to worry about such a such a large um, part of the field and, and have so much ground to cover that you know he's a really good tackler as I mentioned when um, he's just there and can kind of make the tackle and, and you know you don't have as many um, things to worry about maybe when you're a little closer to the box as far as you know speed and, and going against uh, some of the better outside receivers and that kind of stuff um, so yeah I mean I, I think it's a good move for him and I think you know, he'll he'll do well there and, and be a nice contributor for the Raiders for the next several years. Now, Matt, I know Tanner uh, registered his freshman year, um, and then he was obviously a huge part of that defense last year. How did he grow as a player um, during his five years in Clemson? Yeah, he, he definitely grew, you know, mental, and I know that's not a surprise, but he really understood the game and, and got really, really smart, was really a guy that knew where everyone needed to be, could really uh, be a leader on that defense. So I would say, you know, mentally, just knowing, knowing exactly how Brent Venables, who's obviously a very good defensive coordinator and throws a lot at guys just knowing um, you know everything they what's expected from him from a playbook standpoint and kind of all the blitzes and that kind of stuff um, and then you know just just his uh, leadership and that kind of stuff as well he was really one of the leaders on that defense this past year and then uh, what about the the the, the uh, next Raiders draft pick what uh, what can Raiders fans expect to see and 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 get to know about uh, offensive lineman uh, John Simpson yeah he, he was the best lineman on Clemson's team last year and, and one of the best for the past uh, couple of years he's really really good as a, as a guard he was a really good guard really good interior guy for Clemson uh, you know he was again a captain one of the leaders on the team uh, one of the leaders on the offense for sure. He, he was sent to media day last year, the ACC, the only offensive player that Clemson sent, just to give you an idea of kind of what his players and, and other teammates and coaches think about him. Uh, so he's that kind of a, a leader, very bright guy, very, very smart guy. Um, just a really tough physical football player. I know, you know he took it personally a couple of years ago in the national championship game when Alabama had the really good defensive front and Clemson went out and scored. 44 on him out um, in the national championship game. And I know that, you know, he was a big part of that performance, just the job that offensive line did up front. Uh, maybe didn't get all the headlines, but, you know, with Trevor Lawrence and, and Travis Etienne and those guys, but that offensive line was really why they won that game. And so you know, he was a big piece of that and one of the better players on that line. Now, before John got drafted by the Raiders, Clemson hadn't had an O-lineman drafted since 2014. Why was John Simpson the one to break that streak and what makes him special? Yeah, that's a good question. It's been weird. They've had so much success, uh, but really offensive line for whatever reason. Um, you know, even Mitch Hyde, who was a guy that came out as like a, a five-star left tackle, was a four-year starter, but didn't get drafted by the Cowboys. And, and, you know, I think they've had solid lines, but part of it is just they're recruiting. I mean, they haven't recruited those top offensive linemen until recently. Um, and so I think, you know, a guy like Jackson Carmen, who's uh, the left tackle, um, he'll be a junior this year. I think he's a guy that's got a chance to be a pretty high pick. Uh, they've brought in some other linemen the last couple of years that are that are more highly rated. But that was one area, maybe the only area, where they really uh, struggled consistently wise to, to bring in top talent. And so 
But I think that's part of it. But, I mean, like, you know, we already mentioned about John as a player, but his work ethic too. I mean, he really came in, put in the work, really got better, got bigger, got stronger, transformed his body, and, and you know, really turned into a really good, solid, all-American type uh, college offensive lineman. So I think Raiders fans will be happy with what they see from him. I know John grew up in uh, – he had kind of a tough upbringing. You know, his dad, dad was in prison. Uh, and his grandpa played a really central role in his life. How did his – that tough upbringing kind of motivate and shape the player that he's become? Yeah, for sure. He grew up in the Charleston area um, down near the coast. And so, you know, he – he went through a lot growing up and, you know, I think that kind of helped motivate him to, uh, you know, make it, make his life better, um, be able to help his mom. I know he and his mom are really close. So just being able to, to help her and, and, you know, really be able to take care of the people he's close with. Um, you, know, you know, I think it also helped him as a man to become a man uh, a little younger than, than some people do. And he really matured and kind of, um, you know, was able to come in immediately and be a guy that, was able to garner respect of his teammates and kind of be a leader for those guys. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely um, just a great guy and a great player. When uh, when you look at over the course of the last two years, Raiders have taken five Clemson Tigers. Has that ever been a topic of 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 of, uh, of conversation um, out there? Just you know how you know just how this one team keeps on picking their players. I think uh, even last year uh, on 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 it, it was on one of their um, last OTAs. All of the coaches wore Clemson gear. Um, has that made any sort of uh, impact um, out there? Definitely has. It's definitely something that Clemson fans pay attention to, and I think. They're slowly becoming Raiders fans as well. You know, I think they wish it was a little closer um, instead of being across the country. But, yeah, definitely there are some some Clemson fans that are excited about that and that are paying attention and following the Raiders. Um, you know, Trayvon Mullen, Hunter Infro, Cleveland Furrow, all those guys were, were guys that uh, Clemson fans really love. So, you know, add a couple more now, and I think definitely there's a lot of excitement uh, with the Raiders, and, and guys are definitely paying attention to it. When you look at – Hunter and Trayvon and Cleveland and now Tanner and John, other than, you know, being Clemson Tigers, what is it in your mind that kind of makes them, what do they all have in common? Yeah, I would say probably just being football smart and, and being winners. And I think that's something that um, Mike Mayock and John Gruden really appreciate is the, the job that, you know, Clemson does as a program, the way that they get these players ready for the next level. And so you know, the, the, the defense in particular is very in-depth and they throw a lot at these players to try to, um, you know, mix things up and be be tough on opponents. So I think that when these guys come in defensively, they've they've seen a lot of uh, different looks and, and know how to play in a lot of different systems that maybe other college players don't. Um, but then also just their winning attitude they had. And I, I know that's one thing. Um, I believe it was Gruden. It was either Gruden or Mayock. But watching when Cleveland got drafted, that was one thing that, that they talked about is, you know, we want you to come in and be a, a big part of our culture and a big culture fit and that kind of stuff. So, I think, you know, those, those are some of the things, just that winning, that winning pedigree and winning background and then kind of the culture fit. Hunter really thrived um, uh, down the stretch. He was Derek Carr's maybe favorite target. Um, and he really, really grew into his own. And this is a guy that, as you've always heard, he's, you know, he's five foot nothing. He's not fast enough. He's not X, Y, or Z in terms of those kind of combine stats. But this guy just showed up and found a way to make and to to make his mark. Um, I'm sure that doesn't uh, surprise you at all, given the fact that you know him. He just seems to do that pretty much at, at um, every single level. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. I, I talked to him right before um, he 
the draft last year or pretty close to the draft. And he was saying all he wanted was a chance, just like at Clemson, just give me a chance and I'll go out there and prove myself. And he definitely did that. Um, I talked to him some this off season and he was saying, you know, one thing he really did with the Raiders was he stopped trying to be perfect and run every route crisp and exact and, and perfect. He went back to kind of playing how he does and uh, maybe freelancing a little bit, but just making sure that he ended up being at the place he was supposed to be so the timing and everything would be right. And I think that was one thing you saw the second half of the year is he started running routes his own way again instead of worrying about being exactly precise with everything and, and was able to get open a lot more and have some, some really big games. And I think he ended the year with back-to-back 100-yard games, uh, which was – he said he had never done that in high school, he didn't think, or maybe even in practice. So to go out there and do that um, in the NFL and kind of be the way to end your rookie season, I know he was really excited about and looking forward to building off of that. Uh, you know, and then when it comes to uh, last year's second round pick, um, uh, Trayvon Mullen came in and he was and, and he was an established outside starter by around midseason. Um, this mm-hmm. is a guy that that really looks and plays just like a, just like a pro. Uh, did you expect that quick of a um, transition for uh, Trayvon Mullen? Yeah, that's that's a good question. He he was a really good college player, um, and I wasn't sure exactly how quick it would translate. And so I think he's probably a little ahead of schedule of what I expected. You know, I thought he would be a solid starter uh, maybe in a couple years down the road. And I wasn't sure he'd go in and immediately be able to get a starting job outside, even though I know that's what you expect from a guy when you draft him in the second round, but um, or at least hope for a guy. That, that's probably best-case scenario. But um, I thought it might take him a little bit more time, so I've been really impressed with him in the year he had. He looks like he's on his way to being one of the better corners in the league maybe in the next few years. Definitely one of the, the young up-and-coming guys that I think a lot of guy, fans around the NFL are excited about. Matt, as we kind of like uh, look to the future, obviously the Clemson to Las Vegas pipeline isn't going anywhere um, other than we know Trevor Lawrence's name and Travis Etienne, but other, who are a couple of other Clemson guys that Raiders fans should keep their eye on? Well, Justin Ross would definitely be um, a receiver, but his, his career is kind of up in the air right now. So we'll, we'll see what happens with him. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of scary for him. I know he's going to miss this year, but he was a guy that was a top 10, top 10, 15 pick. Uh, but, you know, him, Darren Kendrick is a cornerback who um, started uh, this year, his first year as a starter. He was a former wide receiver. He switched over to corner this past year and was, was a starter and had a really good year. And I think he's got a chance to not a lot of people know about him just because he's only played one year of defense, but I think he's got a chance to really be a, you know, early round pick, um, possibly even after this year if he decides to come out. Um, so he's a guy, Jackson Carmen, the left tackle I mentioned earlier, he's an offensive lineman um, who's who's really really uh, you know done a done a good job. He was a little overweight when he came in, but he's developed and, and is now I think has a chance to be one of the highest offensive linemen ever drafted at Clemson and definitely. Uh, one of the highest in, in recent years. Xavier Thomas is a defensive lineman who was a former top five um, overall recruit, top three recruit. And he's had an up and down career his first couple of years and really hasn't uh, maybe produced the way people had hoped. He's only got a couple of sacks, or he only had a couple of sacks last year, and I think people were expecting more double digits. But he's a guy, too, that has a chance to be a, a first-round pick, especially if he can put it together this year and, and really you know, get focused and, and really go out and try to make some money this year and play smart. I think that uh, he's got a chance as well. Matt, thank you so much for the time for, 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 for really breaking down 
all of these Clemson players that have become Raiders. And I do think Josh is right. This is not going to be the last Clemson draft pick that we are probably going to see more and more guys come out to Vegas and really uh, try to build that type of winning attitude that um, exists in college that the Raiders are still trying to find. So great stuff from Matt. You can follow him at Matt at the state, Matt Conley, Clemson beat writer for the state newspaper in Columbia. Sir, thank you so much for the time. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. And that was yet another great conversation from a college beat writer. Lots of good insight uh, there, you know, especially on uh, Muse and also on Simpson. Uh, there is a lot to unpack there after speaking with uh, Matt Conley, Clemson beat writer for the state. Yeah, look, I think uh, the most important thing I took away about Tanner Muse, a guy who, when he was drafted, you know, we were both kind of skeptical. Um, and while he's not expected to step in right away, I think the important thing to take away is that a guy like Brett Venables, who is the best defensive coordinator in college football, mm. trusted him and believed in him and gave him a ton of responsibility. And this guy was smart enough to take it all in and become a leader. Um, and I think that's kind of a theme that we've seen in this draft class, right? As guys who are really high IQ can take in a lot of information, spit it back out like Lynn Bowden. Um, so I think Tanner Mews will end up fitting in well. And um, going back to uh, back to the uh, day three post draft uh, press conference, uh, Mike Mike Mayock did say that after after the Raiders Zoom call with 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 uh, Tanner Muse, they were convinced he is a Raider. He talks like one, he thinks like one. And again, the theme of the draft class is that leadership. It's smarts and it's scheme fits, you know. And uh, he he played safety mostly during his college days. He's going to be converted to Mike and Will Backer. Um, that's always a tough jump, but it seemed like Matt Conley was pretty confident that it, that linebacker may actually be a better spot for him. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of spotty in coverage, which is what Matt alluded to. So I think those responsibilities will be lessened um, at the linebacker spot, but more importantly is the speed that Matt talked about, right? I mean, Tanner ran a 4-5-1 at the combine. That's faster than Deshaun Watson. It's faster than DeAndre Hopkins. So it's a guy who has makeup speed, has playmaking speed, and at a linebacker position where the Raiders, as we've talked about, have really struggled with that kind of stuff. That can be a bonus in the future. And, it, it, you know, trying to make that uh, switch in the pros as you're getting used to the speed of the game can often be sort of tricky. But the nice thing is that even though he is a third-round pick and the expectations for third-round picks are generally pretty high, uh, this is a guy that will have the pressure completely off because they have two legitimate can't say that too often uh, for, for Raiders linebackers. They have two legitimate three-down linebackers. One of them is Corey Littleton. He may be the best coverage linebacker in the game, definitely the best in the free agent draft class, and they have a Mike Backer in Nick um, Kwiatkowski. So he's going to be able to learn and grow, and I think that all those things are important because he's still going to contribute on special teams. He, he's, going to, he's going to be able to utilize that speed. Maybe if it takes him a year, maybe two, or at least uh, that he can be a solid kind of injury um, protection to go along with Nicholas Morrow, that this linebacker core looks so much better than it did even just last year. Absolutely. And I think when he got drafted, a lot of people, us media fans, all latched onto Mike Mayock saying, previously, third, three third-round draft picks, there should be three starters, right? Mm -hmm. And – he is going to be a starter, just not in 20, uh, 2020. So I think the important thing is what the Raiders did is, like you said, they have two playmaking linebackers, but they identified someone who has the talent to be a starter in a year or two, and they just took him. They took the best player on the board who's a Raider, 
And uh, I think Tanner Muse will probably be an important uh, player in, in a year or two. Yeah, and we get more blowback about our Tanner Muse takes than just about anything else. Everyone's like, he's going to start. He's going to contribute. And you're like, they didn't pay out $14 million between Corey and Nick to have them sit on the sidelines. So, and there's only two of those spots left. Uh, Sam Backer is kind of open, but that's not really where – uh, that's not really where uh, Muse is going to be focused. Sam Backers generally plays, what, 20 snaps a game. That could be Mark Lee, maybe. Um, right. It could be Nicholas Morrow. Um, or depending on how much nickel that they play, they played a ton of nickel last year um, just to try to keep the best 11 on the field. So, again, don't take that as us being critical. It's just being realistic that they have two veterans that are going to come in and play. You would assume play every single down, allow this guy to transition, and a big role on special teams, that is a big factor. But I think to assume he's going to come down there and take a job from Corey Littleton is not going to happen. Uh, and that's okay. You need depth. That's where you get depth. Quality depth comes from the middle rounds. If you can hit those uh, things, then you can survive injuries, which are going to happen. Uh, you have to be better than just your starting 11. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head right with the depth. We saw last year, Montez Burkert gets, you know, shot to the moon. Uh, a couple other injuries and all of a sudden there's I mean they have, they have you know Will Coppins playing linebacker so mm. I think once again what they did is they they took a negative 10 at linebacker mm. free agency the draft they filled it completely um, whether Tanner plays 15 snaps a game at the end of the season or is only on special teams and then takes a bigger role next year it doesn't matter he's uh, athletic he's a playmaker he has a nose for the ball um, if Raiders fans have any question about that they should go back and watch Festival from this year where he tracked down J.K. Dobbins, who had like a 30-yard head start. Um, so the guy's legit. Yeah, and uh, he's going to kind of fit in the way that the coaches want. They want to get better in uh, coverage. Um, Isaiah Johnson is a very good special team a very good special teams player as well. Jeff Heath, that's going to be a major role for him. So they definitely made a concerted effort to bulk up um, in those areas just to try to flip the field and win the battle for field position more often. That is a worthy and worthy enterprise. And this is, you know, a guy who's made big plays. You just referenced some, uh, Matt, uh, re uh, reference a couple of those a, a big fumble a return against Syracuse and he, the guy is around the ball and makes plays and that's the type of thing that you want he talks a lot about his work ethic and the work ethic thing very clear that that uh, attribute can be applied to John Simpson as well I mean it's not necessarily super fun to break down offensive line play but this is a guy who kind of feels Gabe Jackson-like to me in terms of his ability to be a big, tough, nasty road grader, somebody who uh, doesn't mind mixing it up. And while they have a lot of, uh, you know, offensive linemen that their starting line is basically set, but Richie Incognito is on a two-year deal and Gabe Jackson's deal is expensive, but no longer guaranteed. So if he earns it, he could find a, a starting spot uh, on the right or the left before too long. Once again, it's another draft pick where the Raiders took a guy who's really talented, who they view as a starter in a year or two, right? And John Simpson, uh, I think the thing that Matt Conley talked about, which is becoming very prevalent throughout the entire draft class, is this is a guy who was motivated from you know, a very young age, right? His dad's in prison. Uh, he wants to take care of his mom. He got a job um, waiting tables, busing tables at like the age of 15 um, while being a state championship wrestler. He's really motivated to be great. 
Um, he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and he's he's a grown-up, right? The Raiders drafted these guys. They don't want any handholding. We saw that last year's class. There are no babies. You got to be mature. Got to be leaders, and all these guys are, especially the ones that came from Clemson. Yeah, and the, I think that that's something important for the Raiders as they transition into Las Vegas. They want grinders who stay in Henderson and don't go to the strip or, uh, you know, take money for sponsored parties or things like that. You know, keep the tunnel vision strong. I think that guys like this kind of fit in um, to that mold and hard workers, leaders, and trying to steal some of that winning culture and winning attitude from a college program that's as good as any that has been on the top for a lot for a long time. These guys are used to playing in front of massive crowds with massive stakes. Um, all that I think plays out, and that's why I think if you go back to the Clemson guys from last year, I know Cleveland for old year maybe wasn't as strong as the number four overall pick would suggest um, that, that maybe that that didn't match up, but Hunter Renfro and Trayvon Mullen, those guys transitioned really well and they made instant impacts. I think part of that is how they grew up and where they came from uh, that uh, they were ready for the spotlight. They were confident in their ability to perform in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think it's vital just like you were saying, I think the pipeline will stay open. Um, what a crazy stat, though, that we haven't seen any Clemson offensive lineman go since uh, 2014. I thought that was a really good question by you um, as I stopped ranting eventually. Uh, just, you know, kind of like what makes him different, what makes him special. And again, you know, it just goes with a guy that's going to fit into the, this culture and this locker room. And uh, maybe they can get some of that winning attitude to rub off uh, on the Raiders who are looking for a playoff spot. Yeah, look, I'll always go back to when I talked to Dabo Sweeney, when I asked him about it, what he said was about Renfro and Trayvon, including in particular, and I assume that applies to Tanner and John, is these guys are no-nonsense, right? Like, Clemson is recruiting the best, but they're also recruiting guys who are talented, hard workers, and are not about the BS, and all these guys are not, right? The Raiders aren't just drafting guys because they went to Clemson. They're drafting guys who went to Clemson, grew at Clemson, became leaders, and were very successful. And uh, like you said, that's just not going to stop. And I even think, I, I don't know this, so we're just speculating here. Let's make that very clear. I think possibly if, if um, A.J. Terrell was on the board at 19, I think maybe he would be a Raider too, right? Like, don't you kind of get that feeling? He, he plays corner exactly like the Raiders want to, you know, uh, him to play it. Tall, lanky, strong. That guy very well could have been the 19th pick. Instead, he goes uh, just a bit earlier. But he would have been a great fit. Well, Josh, there's, there's a lot of Clemson Raiders these days, including two who made a massive impact in the second half of last season. Uh, that, of course, is fifth-rounder Hunter Renfro and second-round cornerback Trayvon Mullen. Both guys were really good down the stretch. Who do you think had the better overall rookie year? Uh, kind of followed similar um, trajectories in when they were able to kind of get started and how they were, how they were able to kind of uh, finish strong. I'll just go walk up to my to my hill and defend my fort if I will. <laughs> of course. Uh, with uh, with Trayvon Mullen. I, I just think that cornerback is such an important position. And I thought that um, as as awful as the Raiders' pass defense was, as we talked about at nauseum, um, once he came in, I thought he had a lot of really good moments. There were obviously some penalties, but I thought that the, the November stretch of games, he was really, really good. Um, and I think he's only going to get better. So I just think that because cornerback is such a key position in today's NFL, have to be able to stop deep pass. You have to be able to 
get off the field on third down, I think he's going to end up being a, a big crucial part of that defense this year. And I thought um, once he got on the field last year, uh, I thought he played tremendously. And I think it was the Green Bay game where it really felt like Gary and Conley was lollygagging. And yeah. I could see John Gruden after that game going in and saying, get him off of my team. Let's see what you can get for this guy. They were not going to extend him. It was sort of a personality clash because Gary is kind of a quieter um, guy. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe some people could say disengaged. Um, at times, Trayvon Mullen is not none of those things. He's confident. He's very clear in what he wants to do, and he's confident in his ability to do it. And uh, you wrote a really good story about uh, Trayvon's week one experience against Denver when Emmanuel Sanders torched him. You know what I mean? That that was a real welcome to the NFL moment. He didn't get a ton of playing time after that because he wasn't a primary outside starter. But that's the type of guy who learns from a bad mistake and was able to improve and learn off of it. That's what you want to see as opposed to somebody who sulks and uh, gets upset and uh, feels sorry for themselves when something doesn't go right. I think that week one torching was probably the best thing that happened to him, right? Because yeah. we entered training camp and you know, we all talk, okay, he's going to compete for a starting job. He doesn't get it. And he comes in week one after Gary Young got hurt and got, like you said, he just got roasted. Like it was just, you know, Joe Flacco was just picking on him. And then he didn't see the field for the next six, seven weeks. Um, but when he came back, and, you know, and I talked to him, he was like, hey, I've studied the film. I, I understand what I was doing. I understand the speed of the game at this level now. Um, and Paul Gunther talked about it. He just went to work, right? They had a little um, technique, technique things they wanted to work on, but he was, he was grinding every day. And the minute he hit the field, um, like other than the penalties, which we've talked about, which he can clean up, there's kind of rookie things. Um, he has all the makings of, of a Pro Bowl corner in my mind. Yeah, and – I, I'm not trying to take away anything from what Trayvon did, but we saw from Hunter Renfro, a guy who started playing his way, right? That if you get into John Gruden's offense, the routes have to be run precisely an exact number of steps and everything has to be um, executed exactly as it's drawn up. It can be a little complicated. And after a while, they just decided to let Renfro be, uh, be Renfro, find some space, make something happen. And I think that we've talked about Derek Carr's ability to trust that when he trusts that you're going to be where you're supposed to be and you will make the most of the opportunity he's giving you, he will keep going back. And that's why I thought he was so key. And what was it is in New in the Jets game, he had like a punctured lung or something punctured like lung. that, right? Yeah. And But he was tough enough to kind of stay with it. They probably could have shut him down for the year. Turns out staying with it was smart because at the end of the year was when I think he really had his best. And even though those games didn't lead to a Raiders playoff berth um, and they were ultimately kind of – they fell outside of the playoff picture, I think those games and those moments – can be springboards for the next year that they're going to come in more confident. He's going to spend his whole off season, you know, working and grinding and getting stronger. And uh, he's going to have that positive experience to fall back on. I mean, gosh, he catches the, the two point conversion, you know, things get uh, interesting, um, but a strong finish. I think that's important. That's why I'd give the edge to Hunter Renfro. It sounded pretty clear that Matt Conley and Hunter Renfro have a good, um, relationship that 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 they talked um during this offseason it sounds like hunter's really kind of uh you know getting in a good groove he's been in vegas for a long time you see lots of those videos of Derek carr and alec ingold and zay jones and hunter renfro playing golf with the quarterbacks never a bad idea gotta stay right in his ear and uh i think that we could see even better um 
and a steady uh, run of targets, despite the fact that the pattern is full now, right? With Edwards and Ruggs and Waller and so on and so forth. I, I think he's still going to have uh, an important role on this team. The pattern is the pattern is full, but Hunter Renfro's position is as secure as it could be, right? I think you made a yeah. good point that the best thing that happened to Hunter Renfro was the minute that they let him be Hunter Renfro, mm-hmm. he became Hunter Renfro, right? Because right. talking in training camp, he was like, yeah, I know I'm not super fast. I'm not the most athletic looking guy, but I just do my thing. And then for the first couple of weeks, we didn't really see a lot of him. So, um, and it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, we know he can play. Where is it? The minute they let him, I remember the what, 80 yard touchdown against the Texans after that, it was kind of like, yeah, I broke the route off a little early. Um, and I was open. I think that moment, it was like, okay, let's just let him do what he does. Derek will trust him. And all those moments, all those games in November, December, I think those are invaluable moments for that duo and the offense in general, because that just shows them what they can do, right? There's no chemistry building in games now between the two. They have it, and now it's just refining. And he is going to be, in my opinion, the most vital part of this offense. Wow. Big statement. I like it. Somebody write a post on that, baby. Uh, you know, and I don't think that you're wrong. I mean, like I'm a huge Darren Waller guy. I think he's going to have, he's, he's going to thrive with attention going everywhere, but I don't discount the fact that Hunter Renfro is your slot guy. Third and four, him and Jason Witten in the same pattern. You got lots of good options. I, I think this offense is going to be able to uh, score more points and be better in the red zone for Uh, guys like that. I think it's important that we talk about these little building block moments. I'm sure Raiders fans hope that Tanner Muse and John Simpson, even if they're not going to be counted on to be every down players, if they can find little moments to grow and learn because they've missed all of OTAs, uh, training camp is going to hit fast, even though John Simpson is actually out in Las Vegas too, working before the big crew kind of got shut down. Um, that, that he's been out here working and getting to know the, the offensive linemen. So uh, the key for those guys is hitting the ground running and making the most of your opportunities. Special teams, if you get in for a series, if, if somebody goes down, to grow and learn as a player because I think they, they're going to need to get younger, right? And uh, I think it's important for those guys. That's, that's how you become a good, consistent playoff team is you have depth, and depth comes from the third through the fifth round. So uh, ultimately, I think that's going to be important for those guys to learn and grow. And hopefully – you guys have enjoyed our Raiders draft deep dive series. It's been a fun one. Several podcasts. Gosh, when we first started with uh, Henry Ruggs, that seems like a lifetime ago <laughs> at this point, but uh, it's been fun. And uh, I think this is kind of a cool, uh, unique thing that hopefully Raiders fans come away, whether it's Ruggs or Damon Arnett or John Simpson, that, uh, that Raiders fans come away knowing these players um, a little bit better than they did before they started the podcast. Without OTAs and training camp all that stuff, there hasn't really been a way to get to know these guys, right? So I think, I mean, I personally learned a lot, especially about um, Lynn Bowden, Tanner Muse, John Simpson, the guys that weren't, uh, that we haven't talked about ad nauseum. I think we've, we've, uh, we've really found out the type of players they are, what makes them tick, and what Raiders fans can expect um, in 2020 going forward. That's awesome. Well, we normally go Tuesdays and Fridays, given the 4th of July holiday, the fact that you guys are going to be hanging out you know, on your patio, grilling some hamburgers and hot dogs that we're probably going to skip that um, July 3rd pod, but we're going to have one next Tuesday, kind of previewing something that uh, is a pretty cool enterprise. It's called NBC Sports Uncovered. Uh, This station 
um, did an extensive uh, deep dive into uh, into former Raider center uh, Barrett Robbins and everything that he went through. Uh, it's it's a fantastic listen, and we're going to preview that a little bit with. Uh, with with Christopher Jones, the guy who put it all together. So looking forward to that. We will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Have a safe and happy holiday. See you guys around. Thanks for listening to the Raiders Talk Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe for free on your podcast provider. 